1: Hollywood Exiles, from CBC Podcasts
2: and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com
3: The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. For more Nerdy Show podcasts, community forums, and learn how you can support this and other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com.
1: This is Sam Witwer and you are listening to Nerdy Show.
3: Welcome to State of the Empire, Nerdy Show's Star Wars Speculation Podcast, where we look for news in Alderon places. Hi, I'm Cap. Hi, I'm Hex. Hey, I'm Doug. Oh, and this show, this show, we've got. Uh, it's always weird with State of the Empire. We have such a mm-hmm. mix of, uh, you know, genuine speculation, actual news, and regrettable, <laughs> regrettable things to report. In this episode, we're going to be talking about uh, the long-awaited announcement that the rights, the comic book rights. To uh, star wars are shifting shifting over to marvel from dark horse what exactly that means
2: man. we knew this was coming we knew it, it was, was only a matter of time they were disney was not going to let those comic rights stay with dark horse for too long well, especially
1: yeah. when you own marvel exactly Precisely. you own a comic
0: book franchise.
3: Um, we're also going to be talking about uh, the latest star wars news for the films the games and uh, of course willow watch and anything Ooh. in between uh the first big, 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 big thing that uh we got announced is since our previous State of the Empire episode, we have a date. Star Wars episode seven comes out December eighteenth, twenty fifteen. Wow. As we all know, Kathleen Kennedy was really pushing for Star Wars to come out in twenty sixteen, and uh I guess the compromise was, oh, it'll come out in twenty fifteen at the very end of it. <laughs> it's true. I don't know. I- <laughs> Just don't sacrifice the quality. It's all I want. Just don't sacrifice the quality. Mm. And and Kathleen Kennedy is all about quality and story. In fact, there's a branch, a new branch of Lucasfilm that I I guess it was formed last year, but it's only just now becoming better known that it exists. And that is the uh, the Lucasfilm Story Group. Yes, sure,
2: yeah. I, I remember hearing murmurs of this. Uh,
3: so we right off the bat, something we should tackle with this State of the Empire is to squash a rumor. There's a rumor going around, or at least there's some there's some articles misreporting. That the expanded universe is dead right and that is not 100 percent true uh that is a very that is a very catastrophic assessment of some known facts mm-hmm. uh the the fact is that um something that we've mentioned in past episodes all of star wars was actually in a sort of dual continuity lucas has said there are two star wars oh. there, there's there's his his star wars and every, and the one everybody else can play with, and in fact, it's actually more complicated than that.
2: Much more complicated. They have tiers of separate cannons, and this comes
3: from this comes from Star Wars themselves, Lucasfilm, the Holocron, the Keeper of the Holocron.
2: Right. He um like during, at the panel we saw at Star Wars Celebration, he he. Oh, uh,
3: this is Leland Chi, Keeper Lee of the Holocron.
2: He explained how it's like he was the person who basically all stories ran through him. It got to the point during some of the uh the cross media stuff. That they, someone was going to kill off a character in a book, but they couldn't do that because they the character was also being used in a video game and he was the only person who was keeping track of all these characters. So this is a guy who he keeps track of everything and people have to go through him first before getting an okay on something mm-hmm.
3: and, um, it, and it was still not not foolproof not that he was you know unaware of what was going on but that sometimes things would happen where you know like the the george canon legitimately trumped everything like Lucas's canon which is why uh star wars the clone wars the animated series uh undid so many things that had happened in expanded universe
2: right uh, originally there was george canon primary secondary and tertiary um, George Cannon was basically anything that came straight from George himself. Mm-hmm. Primary was stuff that was really close to that. Secondary was mostly expanded universe. Tertiary was stuff that George was trying to get rid of. Star Wars Christmas is the best right. example.
1: Yeah, the um, holiday special. And but didn't you didn't you did you or did you not say that also the Tartakovsky Clone Wars is considered on that level?
2: Yeah. Why?
1: Because it, haters
3: are going to hate, and unfortunately, Lucas, despite the fact that I think he handpicked Tartakovsky for that doesn't like it. It just, it didn't, they, they came it out. It
2: wasn't his Clone Wars. They were,
3: and they were all upset by how. How is it?
1: I, well, but what, I don't, what about it did not fit? I don't understand. Like, well, this, he got it all wrong. It's and like, then, well, how? What, what makes no
2: sense is then they made the Clone Wars cartoon based, like it was computer animated. Right. But the art style seemed to be based strictly off Very close. Off yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, they,
3: they didn't have media confusion
2: with the advent of, um, st- of that cartoon they made a new level called television canon, where oh, that cartoon okay. hopped right above primary.
1: The, 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 cartoon. the CG Clone Wars. Yes. Uh, so but v- but the, the Tartakovsky is still considered shit canon. Right. Uh, for, for, the, for the layman, I mean,
3: Expanded Universe represents anything that's outside of the Star Wars films. Right. And the fact is, is that Expanded Universe is, uh, it's not, there's many things, wonderful, many wonderful things that have happened over the years, uh, sprawling before and well after the films, it it is far from imperfect because of this tiered hierarchy going on. And so what is in fact being done away with, and this is what is being done away with, and why it's, it's understandable why it was being misreported as the demise of the expanded universe. What's being done away with is the hierarchy. They said, George Lucas is out of the equation, so there is no more hierarchy. We are going to create a streamlined canon, and that's what the Lucasfilm Story Group represents. Mm-hmm. It was founded by Kathleen Kennedy based on her philosophy of creativity leading and from that her, her phrase creativity leads uh she's put, she puts story and artistry above all else which is why she's the one who's fighting for a later release date for star wars and uh, the story group was founded to create a unified vision of the universe for all movies television books games etc to be 100 percent canon to all work with
2: each other
1: does that mean they're going to try and take everything that exists and force it to work because they're going to have to be retconning a lot of shit, they're going to make that happen. No, I or, don't think they're going
2: to do that. But you can, there's or, a reason. I think there's a reason. Everything that was Star Wars was was paused. Thirteen, thirteen, not going anywhere. Right, right. Star Wars detours nowhere. Now the car to the comics. Yeah, yeah, licensing gone, and who knows before or when the comics are going to start again. Right, like it definitely feels like everything was paused so that they could reassess and start anew.
1: Right, but th- does that mean now that they're just going to cherry pick a small amount of things from the extended universe that they like or is this more like i mean i know we're saying that this isn't the demise of everything they're not going to shut down everything and ignore everything in the past but does that mean that they're going to try to rework it so it all makes sense or that they're only taking some things that they like I very much doubt that that's the case
2: i mean i know leland Chi is on, is is a part of the right equation and he fights for this like he As much as he likes to make fun of it, I mean, he does realize and respect that the holiday special is a part of the canon. Right. It's there, as is everything else. Yeah. And so he realizes that, and he's trying to keep that involved.
1: It's still too early to tell, but I'm just like, at what point is the story group going to just be like, okay, look, the Star Wars Holiday Special, you can't erase history, it happened, but we're not going to count that as canon. I
3: think what they're going to do is the same thing that they have sort of silently been doing with Holiday Special, which is to say that, sure, Chewbacca has that family, so itchy is Ichidaruk, and or whatever his name is or Atachitik. I think that's mm. it. Uh, Atachitik and Atachitik like they're like oh, his family exists, but they, those are just nicknames like Chewie, and it's all right. it's all there. But none of that shit happened, or if it did, it happened in a way that was cool. And we're not going to spend any time with it. But sure, whatever.
1: Take this thing. That's what I do with the prequels, anyway. It happened in a way that was cool. I don't, I don't watch it as it is. I remember it as a way that was cool.
2: Something that Matt Spill said.
1: Um... Oh yeah, we should we should point out uh, our
3: our dedicated Star Wars correspondent, our 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 own living holocron, Matt Spill. Unfortunately, the early early in the year is when his job heats at the most. He couldn't be here, but uh, he's got some special words for. Uh, in, in memory of Dark Horse. So we're going to read those a little later in the episode.
2: Um, but something he said in our own internal group just resonated with me. We both grew up in this time where we both loved Star Wars. It was both a big part of our lives, but there was no no mass media being created at the time. There were books right. that we clung to. Like, I clung to the Thrawn the trilogy. I, I loved all of the tales of the bounty hunters of Java's palace. Of the cantina, like this, that was the stuff that I grew up reading. So to me, the extended universe it's kind of more Star Wars than Star Wars is. There's more of it. Yeah, that's why. That's why. It's like so to me, like to say that the possibility that uh, Talon Card, that Mara Jade, that that Admiral Thrawn no longer exists makes me go, "That thank you for stealing my childhood." I appreciate well, the, the that. the
3: thing is is that the Thrawn tri- trilogy as a as a very very big example is something that people really attached with it was the return of star wars in mass media and so assuming that the Th- Tr- thron trilogy didn't happen is well I, it depends now granted they've got to look at uh you know episode seven and anything that comes after return of the jedi is is open to debate whether or not it did happen uh like you know luke being married to mara jade the the solos having twins yeah. stuff like that that's you know that's de- going to define. If they include that, that's going to define and regulate what sto- sort of stories they're allowed to tell.
2: And what's interesting so, is that they are committed to having one set canon. They're not. They're not allowing themselves to have like separate right. renditions. Like
1: I was gonna say, th- th- there's gonna be a lot of garbage to take out if they're only gonna pick certain things. Like for example, if they say they, that Thrawn trilogy is canon, well, that means what about Shadows of the Empire? Well, we were thinking about doing a Boba Fett movie in between. Empire and Jedi, so we got to get rid of Shadows of the Empire. i will be like, God damn it! Well, so and, like, and you know what? that I'm fucking fine with that because Dash Rendar
3: is a is a throwaway character, and the outrider's a stupid ship. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. I'm talking about the novel. I'm not talking about or the game, whatever it was called. But yeah, well the, I mean, you know, like the game. The game is great, but the novel
1: is crap, as far as I'm concerned. I liked like, it. <laughs> I mean, as a kid. I mean, as a kid, but you know, whatever. And then you, you, Dash Rendar. Uh, spoiler alert: Dash Rendar died at the end of the novel, or did he? <laughs> So that they already did away with that. Like but I mean, this, the, it, I feel that sometimes
2: Star Wars kind of paints itself in a corner because, like, one of my favorite things the of uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is that the um, book is nothing like the radio play. It's nothing like the video game. It's right. nothing like the movie. They are all their own renditions of the same story, and they're all different. But that makes it so that you can experience each one and enjoy it. Right. I would love to see a separate but equal rendition of the Thrawn trilogy. That sure it derivates. That way, I don't know what's going to happen. Hmm. That way, if people are exposed to the movie first. Cool, and I got to go read the book. But that's and not see what they're saying else. they're going to do. They're saying they want right. a no, no, uh, no, no, one no, continuity. That's, that's well, what I'm saying. We like, don't we don't really do know
3: this. what they're going to do. Right. Uh, here's what we do know uh, the the only the the story group is a large group of people, but the only known members right now are Leland Chi, the keeper of the Holocron, and Pablo Hidalgo, head of Lucasfilm Story Development. Uh, she says, more so than ever, the canon field will serve us internally simply for classification rather than setting hierarchy. Disposing of the hierarchy and having one cohesive canon is definitely a primary goal of Story Group.
2: Well, I think because of the service that Nerdy Show and State of the Empire is doing, we deserve a, a delegated... A spot on yeah. the... Uh... <laughs> I would like to nominate Douglas Banks as you. the State of the Empire representative. To the, the Locust Film star group. I'll, I'll take it. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'll I mean, take the I, job. I,
3: I, I don't want to pull this out from under you, Doug, but I mean, oh, Matt, Matt's, Matt, Matt's, Matt's not here to defend yeah, himself. Yeah. Oh, Matt.
2: no, no, no. I'm not saying that I don't think Matt Spill uh, deserves a spot. I'm just saying. If we're looking for someone to come up with stories. Oh, to come up
3: with to come up with stories, sure. Yes. St- sure or like, to tell you which I mean, ones are crap. <laughs> <laughs> but, if as far as like information as far as which which expanded universe to yeah. pull from, I'll, there I'll, was a time where there wasn't a single Star Wars novel of any kind right. that Matt hadn't read.
1: Yeah. Matt can be my assistant. <laughs> I'll be like Does this if is this? I good? didn't I didn't <laughs> want to be greedy and ask for two spots. <laughs> We'll Um, share
2: one. So, Kathleen Kennedy, I know you're listening. Yeah, Yeah, of of course. course. Keep that seat warm for Doug.
3: (laughs) Uh, Hidalgo (laughs) told Forcecast late last year, one of the things that Story Group is meant to do is to serve as a bridge behind all new storytelling going forward. We've all been working together on various projects far more than in the past than publishing and production and video games have connected. Now it's a lot stronger bond along those media fronts. Everything, every new fiction is going to be a part of it. So whether it's video games, whether it's books, that's all part of what Story Group handles. If depending on how you want to choose to interpret it, this could mean that despite the rumors that it is a clean slate, you know, this could mean for the first time since episode seven, you know, was was announced that we were all speculating, well, it's not going to involve the Expanded Universe. They're probably not going to see the twins. We're probably not going to see Marjade. It actually feels like there's more of a chance that we could see some of that Expanded Universe stuff now. At least the ones that they think are, is the most marketable.
1: Well, the, the other thing, though, as far as like seeing uh, the twins and everything, I would be surprised if they did any expanded universe stuff in the new films, because as far as JJ and Lawrence Kasdan are concerned, they want a fresh start. They don't I, I don't think that they want to dig into stuff that's already established. Do you really think JJ wants to go? You know what? These characters showed up in a novel and several comic books. I want to mess with those characters. Okay, or does I'm he want to do his own thing.
2: I'm going to pause you right there what happened at the beginning of star Trek in a darkness? Like what was that setting? That was a setting that was an obscure, a, a, a obscure place that was established in like deep space nine. Here,
3: here's, here's why JJ frustrates me because he has people working with him. That'll do stuff like that. He will constantly reference material in these start in these star Trek films where like, it's very specific. It's such a fan nugget. It's so amazing. And then just go on. And for the main story, for all the stuff that's actually happening on st- screen and the stuff that matters, he will just fuck
1: it over. Yeah. So, but JJ didn't write any of the Star Trek films. Oh, that's true. He is writing the new Star Wars films, uh, right?
3: It, it's, it's, that's a, right. I mean, like I'm skeptical. I, I like some of his films and some of his television and I'm just, I'm skeptical because I don't feel like I understand his involvement in, in most of those projects or really what his right. track well, record the, represents. What, what I
1: think his involvement into Star Trek was, was that he was the guy who was, they wanted to reboot Star Trek. They said, who's got a great eye? Well, we already worked with JJ on several other projects. Let's get JJ on this. And uh, the writers decide to write... What's the name of that facility that blows up and in Into Darkness? The one that's referenced in Deep that, Space that, Nine? That's what Hex was talking about. Yeah, I what's don't, the name of it? I don't what remember. Are, the, well, just the secret facility. Secret facility. Uh, the writers maybe did their homework and said, oh, let you know, it be great. This would be a great time to reference that secret facility. J.J. reads it and just goes, oh, that's a cool name. He has no idea that it that has something right. to do with it. So I'm not blaming him for the continuity errors as much as the writing, since he is taking the reins as writer and director of the Star Wars movies. Again, I, I ask, do you really think he wants to delve with deal with characters that he didn't create, that someone else did, you know, in the late '80s, early '90s, and they haven't been around since. And and mm-hmm. and and shoehorn them into a story that he may have already approached. Right, uh, and I, I don't
3: I don't think that's likely to happen. But I do think that it could be more likely that uh, someone's going to say people know of Mara Jade. Even J.J. Abrams probably is aware of the character of Mara right. Jade. So they could be like, Mara Jade is a pretty marketable character. We'd be doing ourselves a disservice to get rid of her. We can make her a more marketable character if we really
1: introduce her all of a sudden already that's a disservice to the story to say is this a marketable character should it be in the story i want Lawrence kazdan to sit down with a pen and paper and say okay clear my head of all that other bullshit what would i want to do with these characters right and from there you know go from there and i think that's what he is going to do but if jj wants it or not that's uh that's remains to be seen
3: well uh one thing we can report on last episode we talked about um uh, the, the loss of Michael Arndt, which really just mm-hmm. shook all of us because we were really rooting for him. And Abrams actually came out and had some words about Michael Arndt. He hasn't said much, really. But what he did say was, working with Michael was a wonderful experience, and I couldn't be a bigger fan of his or adore him more. Uh, which, you know, yeah, there's there's a lot of Hollywood fluffing in here, whatever. Right, let's, right. let's see if we can read between the lines. Uh, he's a wonderful guy, and he was incredibly helpful in the process. Uh, he went on to say, that doesn't preclude working with Michael again in the future. He's one of the best writers around.
1: Well, when it was announced that JJ was going to be directing it, and we already knew that Michael Art was already attached to write it, JJ said something akin to, "Oh, I always wanted to work with him," um, and he had approached Michael Arndt to work on something before right, Star he said, Wars. He said no, yeah. and and he was like, "Oh, I was disappointed when Michael Arndt said no." Now I know why he said no. He yeah. was working on Star Wars, so now I get to work with the guy I wanted to work with. But then something happened behind the scenes and michael arn is no longer involved and the best explanation that uh abrams could deliver is it became clear that given the time frame and given the process
3: and the way things were going uh that working with lawrence cashdan was the was the way that we're going to get us to where we need to be when we needed to be there Mm
1: -hmm. and now granted 100 percent speculation on my part but that just sounds to me like jj goes to michael arn and says hey we need to release this movie in 2015." Michael Arnt says, you're out of your mind. I can't do that. This is way too much. Like I, I've started writing this and we need, that means we'd have to get a script in X amount of months and I can't do that. And then he says, well, Larry can, (laughs) you know, so that's that's
3: also weird because of how far in advance Arnt was working on the script.
1: Yeah. So, and then the idea we talked about this last time and the idea that uh, Michael Arnt had progress on the story or something, apparently there were treatments that were made and uh, now they're starting from scratch. With with uh with JJ and Lawrence Kazdan, they're yeah. starting to, not taking any of it apparently. So the rumors say. Mm. So really, was there not enough time to tweak what Michael Arnt was working on, or was it that he was unwilling to make changes that they wanted, or was it that Michael Arnt just said, you know what, maybe it's just too much. I'm out of here. Good luck, guys. I we mean, we may never know.
2: I, from my from my experience of of, of watching Arnt uh, Arnt's writing, he really knows how to incorporate already established franchise yeah so i could see him easily doing a great service to like the expanded universe and whatnot and doing a great job with it and maybe that wasn't a direction they wanted they wanted to something maybe
1: maybe maybe maybe, again speculation maybe the stuff he made had to do with the solo twins and uh mara jade and all that stuff and then jj and lawrence kaznan show up and like oh we kind of want to do something different that was more original yeah
3: Hang on. Uh, someday years down the line maybe we'll know but uh and if if that ever happens <laughs> we will probably be a state of the empire talking about hopefully. it. hopefully uh <laughs> right now we're going to cut to a track and when we get back we're going to talk more about uh other news developments for star wars 7 of course the, the games and the
2: loss of dark horse comics so earlier this month uh was this year's magfest magfest 12 the music and gaming festival yay uh up in baltimore and uh this year was apparently the best ran year yet. It was really smooth uh, watching the uh, coordinators' uh, social media feeds. So I want to just give props to them. Uh, a good friend of mine, Hoodie, who is the coordinator of Chiptunes Equals Win, released a new compilation, MagFest Equals Win. A uh, MagFest, it was a Chiptune compilation themed around, not an even thing, but just released at MagFest. And uh, it's a really good compilation, as is every Chiptunes Equals Win compilation uh there's a track from uh a really awesome guy rainbow dragon eyes who is also uh he does chiptunes and he's also in the band ale storm a pirate themed metal band okay pretty awesome both projects are phenomenal uh this track i think it's called Jason's Lazz.
3: that's right it has two j's at the beginning and two z's at the end
2: yeah so it's uh it's a fun upbeat chiptune track that uh will keep you going until we're back to talk about more Star Warsy stuff
3: Okay guys, welcome back. Finishing off our news for episode seven. Um, there was some casting news that happened after our last episode. <gasps> uh, the, these two two roles, uh, a, young, a young male and a young female role that uh, that were released that uh, seem to have ties to Star Wars. They're seeking a young woman to play, 17, to 18 year old, must be beautiful, smart and athletic, open to all ethnicities, including bi and multiracial, must be over 16. Her, uh, the, the, the dummy name for her is Rachel, and there's no way she's actually called that, uh, was a, was quite young when she lost her parents. With no other family, she was forced to make her way in a tough, dangerous town. Now 17, she has become street smart and strong. She is able to take care of herself using humor and guts to get by. Always a survivor, never a victim. She remains hopeful that she can move away from this harsh existence to a better life. Oh my God! She's always thinking of what she can do to move ahead. Seeking a young man to play a 19 to 23-year-old must be handsome, smart, and athletic. Must be over 18. Thomas has grown up without a father's influence. Without the model of being a man, he doesn't have the strongest sense of himself. Despite that, he is smart, capable, and shows courage when it is needed. He can appreciate the absurdities in life and understands that you can't take life too seriously. My buddy Mike Rothman, who was with me on the... uh, the x-files episode we did with uh with the team behind x-files season 10 the comic book including chris carter the creator of the show uh he writes for time.com and he actually did a piece just after this news was announced uh where he had uh created some casting suggestions tapping young actors uh on the fringe of stardom who actually fit the molds of these characters Hmm. So that's an interesting read if you want to dig into some speculation outside of state of the empire we'll link to where you can check that out on this episode's page And this just in. You see, we record State of the Empire on Fridays so that then over the weekend, nothing newsworthy will happen because that's not how the press works. But something happened. Something happened this very Sunday that we just had to add in. The Hollywood Reporter has unleashed a buttload of speculation about new casting rumors and some of the reasons behind Michael are not being taken off episode 7. Last episode, we did some speculation about why that may have been. And one of the reasons we considered was that despite the fact that Arnt had been writing this for quite some time, there wasn't enough time to make the changes they needed to get to the 2015 release date for Episode 7. And so they must have completely thrown Arnt's script out and needed to have it rewritten. Well, it looks like, yes, that more or less was the case, because Arnt may have been working on a script that didn't involve the same characters, particularly the original cast, whereas the new version of Episode 7 does. And in fact, that has turned out to be the case, at least as far as the Hollywood Reporter is saying. According to them, Art was writing about the Solo and Skywalker kids, though we don't know if it was the Expanded Universe characters or not. And allegedly, the new script features Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, and Harrison Ford in lead roles. Of course, where the fuck is Lando? But that's beside the point, I suppose. And they quoted Abrams of uh, being of the mind that it should be this way so audiences could have one more chance to enjoy them before a fitting send-off. Uh, Now, Michael Arndt had written his treatment for Lucas before the sale of Lucasfilm, and reportedly Georgie himself was involved in the debate, but he did defer to Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy, and such the decision was made to uh, remove Arndt. But, if all that is to be believed, then they also said the Solo and Skywalker kids will have supporting roles in Episode 7, but will take over as leads in Episode 8 and 9. And that means that Arndt's script could possibly strike back. Ba-dum-bum. And as far as casting goes, again, if any of this is to be believed, It looks like these last-minute script swaps caused just as much chaos as we assumed they might have behind the scenes. It appears they were, in fact, casting based on Arndt's script originally. So some characters were taken out, and new characters were added. Word was that Abram was considering child actor Ty Sheridan for a role, but now he's off the list. And that goes for a lot of the rumored roles that we discussed in past episodes. However, new people who Abram's is said to be in talks with right now are Jesse Plemons, Michael Fassbender, Hugo Weaving, and Adam Diver, Allegedly, Weaving is discussing playing an Imperial commander of some kind, which is odd considering the timeline, but maybe the Empire is still uh, holding on when Episode 7 starts. And that racial character we mentioned? Well, according to Hollywood Reporter, she's the daughter or granddaughter of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Except that, as far as I'm concerned, that doesn't make any sense, so I think we can scratch that off. Unless she's like a great-granddaughter because she's still a teen, and like very much removed like he knocked a woman up during the clone wars and he never knew about it because there was a war on and then he went into hiding and so yeah mm, i don't know i don't know about that one anyway that's the end of this news update because this news just couldn't wait the other thing that i have uh about the films is that we may have a confirmation for the spin-off films
1: uh before you leap into that there was another piece of casting that was confirmed. Oh, it was confirmed? Yes. Okay. R2-D2 will be in Episode 7. <laughs> yes.
2: That's that is right. true. That's right. That's very important.
1: The, the, <laughs> and the thing that's really cool about that was that the people that are going to be building R2 for, uh, for Episode 789 uh, were part of the Joy Builders fan club. So they weren't like Lucasfilm people or ILM people. These are like the people who built R2-D2s in their garage. They know him better than me. Yeah, and they did it so well that uh, JJ and Kathleen Kennedy were like... They saw it at Celebration, apparently, and they were like, you guys, should, do you want to make R2 for the films? And they're like, do we? And now they're, they're, they're involved and they're that building R2 for me, the films.
2: That reminds me of one of my favorite moments of the quote-unquote uh, Jon Stewart versus George Lucas debate at Star Wars Celebration 5, uh, which wasn't really a debate R- Of course all. not, yeah. Um, but it was a question that John Stewart posited as like, so back in the day, you spent so much time, so much effort, so much energy into making an R2 unit. And now they're all over the place. People are making them in the garages. How does it make you feel? It's like, depressed.
1: (laughs) I mean, they they may not need Kenny Baker anymore. if They just make an actual friggin' robot now. I mean, that's
3: good because they basically hooked a small man man. into a torture device.
1: (laughs) Put him out in the desert in a tin can. It's terrible. Yeah, that... I hope they paid him
3: well. I don't know how much Kenny Baker was paid, but it, I, 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 hope I hope it was it wasn't enough. Enough. Yeah, <laughs> enough. But anyway, you were uh, saying. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, first of all, um, there's some rumors going around, heavy speculation that one of the spinoff films is a Han Solo origin movie. I'd like to point out that every headline you've seen confirming this has absolutely nothing to go off of that <laughs> right, is legitimate. Right. Like, it is. It is all speculation of the the broadest sense. It, it, I would, if I were them, I would not have reported that there was a Han Solo film confirmed. It's and just I, not there. I think
1: that even spun off because someone else on another unsubstantiated report said that they are building a life size Millennium Falcon on a soundstage somewhere. And of course they are. Yeah, but 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 even if they were building it, there's no proof that they are, but even if they were, that doesn't mean there's going to be a Han Solo spinoff film. It means they're making episode seven. <laughs> it's like what I don't know. <laughs> you fucking
3: retard. <laughs> um, and the thing that is a bit more substantial though, comes from a very strange source is that apparently one of these spinoffs is a Boba Fett movie, which mm-hmm. is should be no surprise because of all the possible films they could do based on previously existing characters uh, and maybe needlessly poking into someone's origin. Yeah. Boba Fett is the one that makes the most sense and will be the, the least forced.
2: Yeah.
1: I, the, I like <laughs> it better than a Han Solo origin movie. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean,
2: in my mind, there's still only one Boba Fett. And that's Boba Fett from episodes five and six. Well, like so, it, someone put in my mind. I still don't even recognize that
1: the little kid was Boba Fett. But then, then you're ignoring everything about the prequels. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying. But, In my mind, but, yes. But, but but I will answer yes to say a Boba Fett origin story. Maybe a too big of a guess because uh, technically Boba Fett's origin was Attack of the Clones.
3: Yeah, and and there's also some episodes of Clone Wars where I heard they did a good job of say redeeming child Boba Fett as a character. Oh
2: yeah, no, because like he he like infiltrated some clone. Training facilities because mm-hmm. he looked fucking just like everyone else. Yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> I,
3: I, I think what we're likely to see here is a is a film of classic Boba Fett that could take place before his alleged demise in Return of the Sort of Jedi. Like, like Boba Begins. Sort that, of like right, uh, right. Uh, So so let's let's I, I kind of jumped ahead, but this this rumor comes from an AMC movie talk with Metalocalypse director director Joe Schnepp. Uh, he said one of the Star Wars spinoff movies is Boba Fett. It is. I know, I know for a fact, I will never reveal my source, but it is the one written by Lawrence Kashdan. So in the past, Kashdan hasn't said what movie he was doing from the spinoffs, just that he was working on it. and He was doing it with X-Men Days of Future Past screenwriter Simon Kinberg. Uh, so if that's true, then he then those two are doing the Boba Fett movie. And of that, Kashdan told LA Times in the past, I'm trying to start fresh. There are certain pleasures uh that we think the saga can bring to people that they've been missing and we're hoping to bring them that at the same time have that feel that it's all new and then he went on to say the ones i worked on were a long a long long time ago well he actually didn't say that i just accidentally added along uh (laughs) and then he said the ones the ones i worked on were a long time ago uh and they had a slightly different feeling than the ones that followed the first three star wars empire and return of the jedi are all sort of more about people than the ones that followed Saying the ones that followed and not the prequels. But basically, right, right.
1: he's like, eh, the prequels. Just yeah, distancing yeah, yeah, yeah. himself as everyone has been doing mm-hmm. lately. Uh, and good. <laughs> good. Now, the idea... Hopefully- now, well, I was going to say, the idea- the thing I heard about that, that that I didn't hear before was that Simon Kinberg and Lawrence Kazdan were collaborating on one spinoff film. The way I heard it way back was that maybe they were doing separate spinoff films. But if they're working together, mm. uh, that makes me a little bit more interested in a Boba Fett film and if they say joe Johnston gets to direct it then joe johnson Johnson, my curiosity of boba fett if he directs that oh my god now now i'm not even that big of a fett fan but i'm i'd be excited for that you could be a fettophile no i'm not a fettophile no but but, that's an old nerdy show joke i'm I'm, I'm, I'm I'm I'm
2: having flashbacks
1: i guess (laughs) and that you can call me fett curious in that sense (laughs) okay
3: and then the one, the one, one thing that there's, that we have left of episode seven, as far as I know, is that uh, Benedict Cumberbatch wants to be in the movie. Nope. Um, he's been pressuring Abrams and uh, he told Conan all this in a, in an interview. And uh, I personally think that uh, he is far too, everybody loves him. I get it, but he is far too big a name to be in this film. Mm-hmm. It I just, agree. it doesn't make sense in mm-hmm. and, and rant. Uh, it's short rant, but that's he's far too big of a name. Let's get Harrison Ford I, it, instead. I guess <laughs> oh, wh- what, I've, what, I've said, what I've said in the past, and I haven't said in the show, so I may as well say it now, is that what we need is the next Benedict Cumberbatch for Star Wars. We mm-hmm. don't need the current Benedict Cumberbatch.
1: So. And I did, say, I did say that I think Benedict Cumberbatch would be a good Imperial agent.
3: Yes. Yes, he, w- yes, he would. Yes. So moving on to the, the, the big news of, of all this. It was finally announced, uh, it was on January 3rd, actually, via StarWars.com, that uh, Marvel will be granted exclusive rights to create and publish Star Wars comics and graphic novels beginning in 2015. So we've been waiting to find out when this was going to happen because it was an inevitability uh, and the word finally came. Marvel, they they actually were the first to publish Star Wars comic books. Uh, Star Wars came out in March uh, 1977 and they published Star Wars comics until 1986. Hmm. Uh, then there was... Uh, part of the the infamous gap in time where there was really no star wars at all until 1991 dark horse took over and they've been keeping star wars alive for about 23 years and their
2: comics have been freaking phenomenal like so i've read so i've read a lot of the dark horse comics and i I haven't disliked a single one like everything that they pumped out i've loved and not as much as Brian Woods has run, yeah, but that's uh, yeah. also on a mm-hmm. separate mm-hmm. level all N- by itself. Now, this
3: transfer actually hasn't been a point of concern for us. We haven't been too heartbroken about it because we assumed that, um, that things would carry over. Like, for example, the book entitled Star Wars coming out from Dark Horse Right Now, which Brian Woods started writing last year. A book that takes place just after A New Hope that's so imbued with classic Star Wars that we felt it would be a shoe-in. For and, the new era of, of yeah. Star Wars, comics. and we also
2: thought it wouldn't be an issue since Brian Woods uh, is currently writing for Marvel.
3: Yeah, uh, we <laughs> just, we just we assumed that, that would carry over. Like I didn't have a doubt in my mind, but as soon as this news was announced, uh, Brian Woods' Twitter actually indicated the contrary, wah, which is wah. which is then now really uh, made us doubtful about uh, how things are going down. But, I mean, we love this book so much; it was our number five on our top twenty nerdy things of the year, and that's like in competition with scientific achievements and
1: so on literally everything under the sun
3: yeah uh so we'll we'll link to where you can check out all the contenders of that list on this episode's page but basically we love brian wood star wars we love it a lot uh and the idea that it might not come back really
2: makes us cry in our heart breaks
3: my heart uh just i'm gonna say what uh what wood said and then we'll talk a little bit about the series and why it's so great he said uh to answer all the star wars book i'm writing ends with issue number 20 uh issue 13 just came out uh so that would mean that issue twenty would actually be August of this year, so it wouldn't even carry it up to the wire. He went on to say, I'm assuming it'll all get collected. No reason to think that Marvel has interest in me writing Star Wars. I'm sure everyone in the Mothers will want to write a Marvel Star Wars. I love Marvel, but Dark Horse put 22 years into developing and nurturing Star Wars, and this sucks for them, especially the staff who handles the franchise there. A fan asked, If Marvel offered you a chance to write more Star Wars comics for them, would you do it? To which Wood replied, They wouldn't offer it to me why and i yeah i don't he's so he's so pessimistic and i have no idea why
2: and to me it's like it it feels like we're talking to brian about maybe
1: maybe it's just this maybe it's just that the people at dark horse treat him really well and the people at marvel just treat him like another writer i mean
2: he's writing for he's writing x-men so it's not like they just treat him like another i don't know i'm just no to me it's like listening from listening to all these different writers and, and artists there are a lot of politics mm-hmm. that go on behind comic books for some freaking reason.
3: As with any industry, but there's there's a lot of weird ones with comics. And
2: so I wouldn't be surprised if there's specific handpicked people that either Marvel's picking up or hell, for all we know, is coming up from coming down from on high. Right. This is like if they're really this particular about what kind of media is coming out, it might be Disney writers. That are being shoved into Marvel,
1: but are any Disney? But are there any Disney writers being shoved into Marvel for anything else? I mean, Disney owns the Avengers and all the other Marvel movies. Are there any Disney no, writers working thing, on like Marvel they comics?
2: Would, they liked what Marvel was doing.
1: They also liked Lucasfilm. That's why they got it.
2: Yeah, but they've stopped everything else that Marvel is, uh, that Star Wars has been doing.
1: I don't know. Like yeah, so, it's yeah, like uh, yeah. I don't
2: like for Marvel. It seemed like business as usual continued. We yeah. were all nervous. Right, we're right. Like, oh, what's going to happen? Oh, nothing's happened. Cool. Marvel's still a Marvel. Well, it's awesome. also,
1: well, because they got they bought the characters are all comic book characters. Disney just wanted to make the movie. So they bought Marvel. So now they can make all the movies and the comics can continue as they wanted. They bought Star Wars because of the movies, not because of the comics. So they're going to be able the movies are their priority. You know, like the, like the movies, are their priority for, for the Avengers and stuff as well. But I'm just saying, like, if you, they bought Star Wars so they can make more movies and they're like, wow, we also got all the other baggage of like the video games and the comics that. It's all part of the deal, but you know, that's that's not their priority.
2: Right. But it's like if if they didn't care, why would they stop 1313, which was excited about and celebrated?
1: Because they're not the ones who approved that project. Remember, like we're saying, they're pausing everything so they could take collection like take it yeah. take inventory of everything and that's, that they that's have. That's
2: what I'm trying to point at. It's like yeah. they're gonna want to have a leash on this because right. Star Wars has this mentality, this this history. Of everything is canon.
1: But with both Brian Wood working for Marvel, you got two leashes on it. You got it from the Marvel perspective and the Star Wars perspective. You got the guy in, in both courts, you know? Like, I don't know why. Why is he so doubtful is the question. And I'm,
3: I'm hoping it's uh, – there's a part of me that, that's hoping very much that it's just some a certain amount of, like, deflection. Like, he doesn't know, but maybe, you know, maybe there is a chance. Maybe he just –
1: just want to give people hope when he, he doesn't
3: know like he can or or the point of like maybe he maybe he can he can continue, but he can't say anything. So right. he's so he's actually saying the contrary because being ambiguous would be confirming it. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, but uh, <laughs> w- w- the one the one thing I do have Sneaky. to go on that, that makes me a little uncomfortable or, or at least maybe could hint it, it, it either it either means nothing or it could hint to something. Uh, this is in the press release from Star Wars.com uh, from Carol Roder, director of Lucasfilm franchise publishing and Disney publishing worldwide. She said, the comics will begin a new age of adventures within the Star Wars universe. And that sounds a lot like a clean slate. But the thing, the thing is that this Star, this Star Wars that's, comic- That sounds like, like that's, yeah, yeah. Of all the things that they could, that, like, you know, all the other books, they're all expanded universe, they're, all, they're in the future, they're in the past from, from the films, whatever. This book is within the original trilogy and is done in such a way so that it's extremely accessible and embodies classic Star Wars. I feel like it's playing by all the hallmarks of what disney appears to be doing yeah. with episode seven let's talk about the, the book a little bit in case people haven't picked it up yet doug yeah. you've just read all of it for the first yeah. time
1: I, I i have not read any other star wars comics from dark horse or from marvel for that matter not because i had anything against it i just never You're
2: not, not much of comics guy. yeah
1: well because where i grew up we didn't ha- really have a, a comic shop that could carry that kind of stuff and we i just never had access to it and this is before the internet you know so <laughs> and i and i didn't know anyone else who was a bigger star wars fan than me so I couldn't borrow comics from someone else. So I just grew up not really knowing any of it. And then I walk into a comic shop nowadays and it's like Jedi legacy. I'm like, I ain't reading that crap. It's been going on for 20 years for, for however long it is. And I just, there's, I can't catch up. There's no hope. But uh, you guys, <laughs> you guys have been talking about the Brian Wood one for so long. And it was like, well, there's only two issues out. I can wait, you know, and let it build up a little bit. But yeah, Cat, you finally loaned me like issues, you know, one through 13. And I I just devoured them. Like I was... For anyone who is a Star Wars fan and didn't read the comics, or maybe you, for whatever reason, you are a Star Wars nerd but you have an aversion to comics. If you read any Star Wars comics, these are the comics to read. I mean, what I've been
3: saying is this is the Star Wars comic you've all been waiting for, whether you knew it or not.
1: I mean, it's like slipping into a warm bath. It it was so (laughs) perfect for everything that I didn't even know that I wanted. I don't know, man. I just I can't say enough good stuff about it, and I hate to sound like that. I'm like blinded by how good it is, but. Seriously, I, I can't think of much negative things to say about it other than uh, that it's ending and I want it to go on all the way up to Empire. I want it to fill in the gaps between a new hope and empire all the way
3: it, it deals with so much cool stuff it deals with uh the the losses of a new hope you know there's much to celebrate there's also so much that was lost the rebels lost their base they're looking yeah. for a new base they're on the
1: run and the empire wants them dead yeah. more than ever most of their flight squadron was wiped out <laughs> like right. wedge is like the you know wedge is like the guy who's there and luke is like hey wedge how are you holding up i don't know you know i've just like lost you know 25 really good friends you know so it's just me and you now kid you know it's <laughs> you know, i don't know it's just it's and just it just does really cool things. Leia's that you want. whole planet is dead and there's yeah. a scene
3: where she she watches like a tourism video for Alderaan and yeah. just breaks down. Yeah, they, oh man
2: that was amazing. <laughs> oh that was brilliant uh and, and but also seeing like the repercussions on the imperial side it's like, yeah one of my favorite scenes early on and this doesn't really spoil the thing because you could figure this shit out mm-hmm. like he's he gets reprimanded it, it, from, yeah. by the, from the emperor darth vader is just a beaten dog yeah it's yeah. like you fucker you let my massive base that we spent all our fucking money
1: on get destroyed and darth vader like if the, what they're doing with vader is fantastic because i always felt like before the prequels came out the vision that you had of vader at least for me personally was that He's just a simmering thing that just he's he's a walking death machine and everything like that. And now they've taken that image, not tarnished it, but then they've added rage boiling throughout where it's just like, this is the Vader that I've been dying to see for forever. Like, like
3: it's Vader being a badass. It's Vader being, being terrifying, but for and, good reason, yes. and it, and, and,
2: and, it helps build that whole idea that this is why every single fucking Imperial is frightened by him yeah, when he enters it, yeah, the
3: room it, uh, case in point the most recent issue issue 13 is all vader yeah and it is i mean you could if you want go arguably to arguably the, st- the best issue it, yet yeah go to the store right now and you could just pick up this issue just if you just want a taste of how good this is just yeah. get this one you
1: don't need to know anything
3: else and, and Yeah, and it's fine because i think uh i mean volume one's out already volume two's collecting issues one to uh, or, or uh six to twelve i would imagine and that's coming out in a couple months so you can just get this one just check it out
1: yeah all you need to know is uh uh luke blew up the death star and uh they're hunting luke and, <laughs> and that's all you and, need to and, know and, and vader vader suspects that
3: his son might be alive
1: yeah he's a, that, he suspects that the guy who blew up the death star he heard a rumor that the name was skywalker and he's like no <laughs> Obi Wan, you son of a bitch! It's like, and it just goes from there. It's amazing. I yeah, love it's it. It's so fucking good. Um, <laughs> so that's why we don't want this book to end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, to, to 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 touch back on, you know, you didn't really care for uh, Shadows of the Empire, the book. Yeah. The Shadows of the Empire was the only, uh, was one of the only uh, expanded universe books that I ever read. The reason why I loved Shadows of the Empire was that. Darth Vader was a point of view character. Mm-hmm. So I was reading things about Vader that I'm like, that you don't get from the films where I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a new insight into how Vader works and thinks. This book is all about mm-hmm. that. And that I'm, I'm totally, I'm all about that. So yeah. I love
3: it. Uh, it's something for, for all you expand the universe fans, something to note if you haven't checked out star Wars is wood is a big fan of the X-wing novels. And that, that yeah, shows that, that's, <laughs> oh, that makes like, sense. for him, wedge Antilles is an A-list character akin to Luke, Leia, Han and Lando. I love he, that. He, he did that. that. Yeah. Yeah. I love um, that. And uh, a lot of the, the dogfights and all the, the terminology and stuff are things he borrowed from the X-Wing books because that's where it's most
1: clearly defined how an X-Wing is piloted. That makes so much sense. Because uh, one of the only other Expanded Universe books that I've read was, was one of the, from the X-Wing series where Wedge was the main character. And yeah. I don't even remember the name of it, but yeah, I remember liking it. But yeah. that was like, I was like, what, sixth grade? It's so fun fact, he'd like to write a Bosk book. <laughs> really <laughs> you know he put bosk in uh uh one of the issues yeah. you know so I, see i'm
2: it. like one of my f- one of my favorite expanded universe books was tales from the bounty hunters i could not get enough of that like i fucking love all of the other bounty hunters ig88 uh bosk dengard forlom zuckus like all those motherfuckers
1: i also love what robot chicken did with those bounty hunters yes
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so we don't want to see if if brian wood himself doesn't want to end the series we don't want to see the series end. Yeah. Uh, so we've started a Facebook group called Marvel. Continue Brian Wood's run on Star Wars. Idiots. Now, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. This wouldn't fit. So we had to cut uh, off the idiots. Hopefully, hopefully this is just that's just obvious to them that they should do this um, because Brian Wood's a triple A writer and this is a triple A book uh, anyway. It's 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 very humble right now. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean much, but we're, you know, if enough people like this page, like Facebook pages have changed things. Facebook fa- pages made Dorito's Locos Tacos happen. If you guys feel strongly about this book as we do or if you think you like the idea of this book, please like it on Facebook and we're going to try to build a community there and make sure that if there's any doubt in Marvel's mind whether or not they should pick up this book, that they know full and goddamn well people want more of this book and Brian Wood is the guy To keep writing a Star Wars, a a book called Star Wars,
1: and even if you don't want to spend the what three bucks to pick up a single issue of this thing, what about the free? Can they still get a hold of the free Comic Book Day version? Uh,
3: The free Comic Book Day from last year is uh, definitely out of print. It's probably collected. I'm saying like you you could probably. Is
1: there a way you can find it online?
3: Uh, It might be online somewhere. Yeah, if if, and if it is, I'll link there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but the the free Comic Book Day from last year is amazing. So it's, just all, it's all action, and it's, it's incredible. It takes place actually before A New Hope. Right now, what I want to do is, uh, like I said, Matt couldn't be here, um, our, our, our living holocron Matt, and, uh, and also uh, Aaron Holland, uh, typically Nerdy Show's comic book coverage with me in a comic show. He wasn't able to be here either, um, but they both have words to say about, about Dark Horse, and in some ways, this also echoes the possible loss of the expanded universe, but, uh, but mostly uh, the loss of Dark Horse, and this is from Matt. I will be 30 years old when episode 7 comes out. I was 12 when I read Christine Catherine Rush's The New Rebellion. I was 15 to 19 during The New Jedi Order. I think I read Dark Empire when I was 14. I don't care how great or not great the Abrams Wars are. Those films will be my alternate universe. This isn't a slight to Disney or butthurt fanboyism. It's just a psychological fact. Those books and comics were with me and entertained me during the much more formative years of my development and into the semi-well-adjusted adult I am today. It's not possible that whatever films and spin-off new expanded universe they come up with will ever have that impact. Ever. Speaking on the press release, unprops to Lucasfilm and Marvel for mentioning the big four characters in Chewbacca. I know Disney's focus is on the original trilogy to make us forget, but I hope they realize Dark Horse was the saving grace of the prequel era, the double sun bright spot, they saw that era for what it could have been. I maintain I liked Episode 3 based solely on the drama that the Republic ongoing series created for that world. For that matter, even their best original and other era stuff was off the beaten path and out of the Skywalker-slash-Solo hands. Tales of the Jedi, KOTOR, Crimson Empire, X-Wing. Motherfucking droids. The only thing I want is something, even if it's a rush job, to put Jaina Solo, Han and Leia, Saba Sebatine, Luke and Ben Skywalker, and that other post New Jedi Order ilk into a happy retirement in that world. They deserve some rest. It was coming to a close, anyways. The quality had dropped considerably. Cornhorn, Kip Duran, Mara Jade, and Talon Card from the Thrawn trilogy to the least known tales from Jabba's Palace short stories, luminous being they all are, not this crude matter. So that was from Matt, and this is from Aaron on the loss of the Star Wars rights, uh, Dark Horse. Dark Horse's Star Wars comics have been a part of my life since 91. They were the only place to get new Star Wars stuff for a while. I love the air novels too, but I didn't have the time to read all the prose books. Matt's correct that they were a light in the prequel darkness. I'd include Legacy as one of the greats too. Marvel does and can make great comics, but their track record with franchise books is bad. Star Wars isn't really a franchise for Marvel since they're both owned by Disney, but I'm still nervous. It reminds me of when I lost the DC Universe to the New 52. Most of all the past stories were gone. Some characters were entirely gone. There's still good stuff coming out, but lately I've been enjoying rereading my old favorite now-out-of-continuity stuff. They can't take that away.
1: That's true. I mean, like, I, again, I, I don't have that much tie—I don't, I don't have that many ties to the expanding universe, but no matter what, you can still—there's n- there's no law stopping you from enjoying any of that stuff. Like some of the video games that I play that I grew up playing— going to be out of continuity no question but you know what's to stop me from putting in there and playing and just forgetting about the rest for a while
3: i actually learned um a couple days ago from a friend of mine who's a huge dark forces junkie that there's actually a subculture of people who still make dark forces maps no shit yeah how about them apples i want (laughs) i want to know all about that it's it's it's, he's got he's promised to introduce me to some of the uh, finer points of it but he's just learning this himself because he's just been playing it you know, for years without ever going out in the world. And then he did and found that there's a whole sub community of that. Like people who've basically invented new games based on the dark forces engine.
2: That's amazing.
3: Yeah. That's some hardcore nerding. I love it. <laughs> uh, and you know, the, the, we still have a whole year to celebrate dark horses run of star Wars. And there's, there's still new stuff coming out. They're finishing off the star Wars, the mini series. They recently put out an issue zero which is cool because they showed character sketches that were uh, like for development for what the characters would look like combining previously established like Ralph McQuarrie sketches and sketches from the prequel era into something new that actually defined this whole Flash Gordon Dune looking world Mm. that was represented in this book. And issue zero includes all that with some notes as well as uh, six the six pages of comic book art that was produced to show to George Lucas to pitch him the idea to begin with. <laughs> oh uh, wow. And that includes Wookiees fighting the Imperials, but they're weird ass fish-faced Wookiees, you know, from the early Macquarie the designs, looking. yeah. Yeah. Yes. Things things are coming to an end at Dark Horse, but not and including things that aren't just Dark Horse comics. The, Star Wars the Clone Wars, you know, Dave Filoni has been saying that there's oh there there were more episodes of the show that were yet to come out and there was there was a de- there was a definite ending of the series planned. And it looks like all that's over. The series was canceled abruptly. There's these the it's been collected on. It has been or is being collected on Blu-ray. But there's still episodes that haven't come out that are produced that are being like referred to as sort of a sixth season or called bonus episodes. But a four-part miniseries is happening uh, at at Dark Horse, launching in May. It's called Darth Maul: Son of Dathomir, and apparently it draws on the screenplays from the series finale to
1: the Clone Wars. Even though I wasn't a fan of the show, I did feel bad that. Fans of the show wouldn't get that kind of closure. It's right. not. It's not fair. They were. They were promised a thing, and yeah. they, they're not getting it.
2: And yeah. that's that. To me, that seems so weird because, like, that cartoon was a pet project of or Lucas's.
3: Yeah, he was. So, Lucas was so ridiculously involved in that that it screwed up the rest of continuity. So, right. like, they, like the fact that it means nothing now
1: or has been severely downplayed is bizarre at best. But Disney doesn't own it. Disney's not going to let it go on Cartoon Network when they have their own channel. You know, like. As far as Disney's concerned, it's like, we didn't write it, we didn't want it, we're stuck with it, well, too bad, you know, just cut it out. Mm. And that, that, that
3: doesn't make a lot of sense, because it's like, it's six years of content or so, to but, what, but what's anyway, Disney for, gonna do?
1: Just, just, just put just put six episodes on the Disney Channel as, like, a special or something, just just to May, well, please the fans of the show?
3: Children, the, the new children of Star Wars have grown up with this show. Mm. Like, that's the most important thing. Hearts and minds, Doug. Hearts and minds, so... If uh, if they if they want that that child money, I don't know. They, Clone Wars is important
1: to a uh, lot of people. I just don't think Disney Channel is concerned with hearts and minds. Sure, it's like you know. So uh, uh, hopefully, no, they're
2: busy making another sitcom.
1: Yeah, hopefully
3: something will happen. We don't know. Of course, we have Star Wars Rebels coming out, and we're all really excited for that. And it's got, I mean, it has Filoni attached to it, and Greg Weissman, of course. Speaking of, uh, between this and the Last Day of the Empire episode, we actually interviewed Greg Weissman, and there wasn't much in the way he could say about Rebels. Um, but he was on the show, um, and hopefully he will be on the show again, and he talked to us about uh, the demise of Young Justice uh, with the uh, series creator Brandon Vietti. So uh, if you want to check that out, link to it on this episode's page. Anyway, so this, uh, this Darth Maul book, it's uh, written by Star Wars comics writer and former editor uh, Jeremy Barlow, and uh, he says all you need to know is Darth Maul has returned, that he's really pissed off, and that his former master Darth Sidious is determined to put him back in the ground permanently. He's now working, he's now on Dathomir, he's working for a force witch named Mother Talzin, and together they've raised a ragtag army of hired soldiers and criminals, causing all tro- types of trouble for uh, Sidious. I mean, apparently this, uh, the bonus content episodes, they'll, they'll come out somehow, that's still going to happen. This series won't ruin what happens there, but it will be a straight line to the final arc, or so- something that was going to be a part of the final arc of Clone Wars.
1: Hmm. Well, it's better than nothing. <laughs> right.
3: And, uh, you know, it's, it, is, it is something. So it's at least an ending for those fans, for those you know. That's the end of comics. So when we get back, we're going to talk more about, uh, well, other things. Other things like uh, Star Wars games and maybe even some Willow Watch. Uh, but first, we got a track.
2: Well, since we talked about comics, I thought I'd uh, throw out a comic song. Yeah. A bit back, our good friend Word Burglar released a uh, G.I. Joe-themed EP Welcome to Cobra Island. And uh, recently, uh, last week, he released a brand new music video, uh, Rap Viper. Yes. It's produced by 3AM Design, and the production value is freaking amazing. It is, it's impressive, word burglars, all kinds of different characters, except the DJ, who is Cobra Commander.
3: And if you're a G.I. Joe <laughs> fan, I mean, he's, he's spitting out the names of so many vehicles and accessories in this song. Uh, so yeah, it's-,
2: it's it's a it's an amazing song. It's an amazing video. You're good, definitely gonna enjoy it.
0: The rap viper, superbly trained to drop dimes on your mind as I'm scanning your brain. Cobra for life. My parents mad at the tereidrome. Rock beach boardwalk. That there's my home. Dad worked at our was a televiper with flying rattlers when you could still smell my diapers lyrical sniper delivered without obstacle by dr venom at cobra island hospital diabolical my style's deadly like a lobulous speakers on my back me a rapper synonymous major blood got me into writing poetry riding hydrofoils when the eels used to flow with me and now they know it's me every single place i go rallying the troops getting play on cobra radio sonic fighter my primary specialty is that I rhyme very freshly. Rap, pipe up, never spit blanks. Play me from the fangs to the bugs to the hiss tanks. Springfield to the Cobra Citadel. Stealing pop from the dreadnoughts. Getting dirtier than Shadow Tracker's is And when it gets hot, ammo's bursting. Throwing my words and chill like snow serpent. Snow serpent, like headman in a drugstore. Once got busy in the back of a bar And much more, but that's for another day. Don't need Tomahawks to know what your brothers say. Cobra records, bring your fans on the roster. Some on my jams from your Mamba Copters With my modified standard issue Octio. Letting every snake know where to party, yo. to the cobra citadel across the globe and you know i give them hell rap viper never spit blanks blame it from the fangs to the bugs to the hiss tanks cold slither in the cobra citadel around the globe and you know i give them hell
3: before we carry on we got to give some shout outs to some awesome people well actually just one awesome person the month has just started but we have unveiled a new support drive you know every month nerdy show the whole network requires uh, your generous donations in order for us to continue surviving and make our baseline costs for the month. And uh, sometimes, we, well, every month we send you cool stuff in the mail. And there's always something new. Uh, but this month we're playing a special game with you. And it's a new chance to choose the subject of a Nerdy Show movie marathon. Our movie marathons are uh, live streaming events where we get together with, uh, well, the Nerdy Show host gets together in person. And then we get together with you guys online. And we stream up to 12 hours of movies, of us watching movies together all day, and they're all themed. You, the fan, get to curate the playlist of films. In the past, we've done uh, a Gamera movie marathon, a Gundam movie marathon. We did a Kyle MacLachlan recently, where we watched all films and television starring Kyle McLaughlin. Similar one for Tim Curry. So now, you guys get to set the pace for the next one. So far, Big Bad Shadow Man had added in the first two topics small things that cause big problems <laughs> things like uh gremlins small soldiers devices oh, like that small soldiers. Uh, could be could even be episodes of, uh, of star trek like uh trouble with tribbles or uh, or the star wars or star star trek animated episode uh more tribbles more troubles
2: <laughs> wow you just went there <laughs>
3: which i just watched and i fucking love the animated series i haven't watched much of it yet i'm working my way through the first first half of it but it's really good the star trek animated series is, is just it's just like the show but it has a way higher production value. <laughs> the, the imagination is the only limits they knew.
1: That's awesome. Or critters.
3: <laughs> yeah, critters. Yeah. Um. It, there's basically small things, big problems. Uh, small things cause big problems. Like that's 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 all about. Also, uh, an Ultraman movie marathon. Uh, but in addition to Big Bad's generous contributions, uh, we have from archaeus and this is currently in the lead. Ah, uh, the Greg Weissmanathon. Yes, Greg Weissmanathon. I guess is yes.
2: Weissmanathon.
3: Uh, so that is that, that is we are going to uh, uh, watch some
2: gargoyles. Yeah. <laughs> yes,
3: a lot of gargoyles. He says uh, gargoyles, spectacular <laughs> Spider-Man, Young Justice, animated Men in Black. What more
2: could you want? Like seriously, that that sounds amazing. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact, Greg Weissman actually uh, retweeted our announcement that that was in the running. So that was very nice of him.
1: Um, <laughs> Uh, maybe
3: could,
2: we can have him join in on the stream he he, <laughs> he
3: could it's possible uh anyway so uh Greg,
1: you want to watch your own stuff and talk about how awesome it is uh, no, Do guys, I? <laughs> uh but if you have
3: if you have a topic if you would like to back those topics or if you if you have a topic of your own i mean the sky's the limit guys we got up to 12 hours that we can fill with movies or television game on game on fellas and ladies fellas and ladies Ladies and fellas. And non-binary. Lady fellas. Everyone. <laughs> everybody. All, y- all y'all. Um, so that's what's up there. But, what's, well, but it's... Do you, do you know what we're offering in return? Well, we're offering a whole list of bonus perks, but the new stuff... Well, last month, you guys met one of our stretch goals, so that unlocked 13 minutes of outtakes from our episode Mighty Mega Man, featuring the Proto Man. Uh, new this month, Outtakes and Vegimorphs uh, Vegemorphs readings from episode one hundred and sixty three, Go Berserk with Michael Grant. So that's our recent book club episode. If you liked our our reading uh from the Animorphs parody book Vegemorphs, then you will like more readings from the Animorphs parody <laughs> <laughs> book Vegemorphs. I cut out all the good parts, of which there were few and read them. Uh <laughs> it, it with you know full cast recording, full special effects, all the all the bells and whistles of Nerdy Show Dramatic readings. Uh, we have two stretch goals this month. Unlock at $600. Uh, we get outtakes from our X-Files episode. And at 800 outtakes from Dungeons & Doritos Book 3 Prologue. So we recorded an awful lot. It's an, it's an introductory episode into uh, into Dungeons & Doritos. It was a very strange production where we had a, a, a massive group of people simulating a tavern. So much banter got cut out. So many outtakes. So that's, that's the stretch goal at $800. Uh, if you if you guys want that, that's where it's going to be. Make it happen. I, I've i seen you guys work miracles, and you're very <laughs> generous and very kind, and we do love you very, very much. So thank you so much for supporting Nerdy Show. Let's talk about some Star Wars. All right, so Star Wars games. Uh, just a few things. Uh, tiny Death Star, the first game to come out since uh, Disney bought uh, Star Wars. Hex, you've played it.
2: Yeah.
1: How was it? I haven't it, played it. I don't even know. The tiny Hotel is the uh, thing, Tiny it's? Tower. Tiny Tower?
2: Uh, it's surprisingly fun. It is... A uh, really fun resource management game that'll eat up your time. Uh, very they're they're very attentive to the expanded universe. Like the um the, you can unlock different races that'll just pop up like Jawas and shit. Well I mm. feel like
3: it's kinda like um kind of like how Scribble Knots is all about, let's see how many things we can cram into here, mm-hmm. right?
2: Right. Like um like Admiral Thrawn's species is in there. Right. Chiss or whatever. Yeah, Chiss. Yeah. uh nerdy show listeners
3: shaded spiriter actually contacted uh mark uh to let us know that apparently they had a holiday special related material pack of some kind yeah. around
2: christmas yeah you could
3: little b arthur's running around maybe
2: <laughs> that's what it sounded like i stopped playing because i was eating too much of my time but a coworker is still playing he's like almost done and i keep telling him man there's no reason to finish this game Luke is just going to blow it up. What are you doing? So what? So what, is
1: that is that what you're doing? You're building the Death Star, but you're, with Jawas? Like, well, no, what, no, no, I don't no. You're, you're
2: building the Death Star. It's like okay, so basically, this would have worked perfectly in hand in hand with Star Wars Detours, because the whole premise of Star Wars Detours is they're building the Death Star, but how do they trick the universe into not being fucking scared of it? Mm-hmm. They make it sound like it's the world's the universe's largest mall. Okay. So in Star Wars Detour, you're basically building a mall. And then when you have
3: enough money, do you mean tiny death star, tiny death star? Okay. Not
2: detour. No, Uh, no, no. But this like Star Wars detours. That was the concept. Oh, okay. Like, and so in tiny death star, um, you start building a mall and then it's like, okay, we have enough money. Let's start building basement levels that are actually Imperial levels. Oh, okay.
1: Kind of funny. I like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, And so it's like it it has it's it's tongue in cheek with its humor where the emperor is like very demanding and Darth Vader's very lazy. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. (laughs) (laughs) And so you are an imperial officer that Darth Vader has pawned the job of organ managing the death star too
1: lazy vader i like yeah, that it's it's,
2: <laughs> it's 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 adorable vader, get
1: off your ass oh you better get off your ass or i'll
2: get yelled at <laughs> Tgif. <laughs> uh, so um it's fun and uh it's it's got a lot of really cool little uh star wars easter eggs and stuff in it we'll
3: link cool. to where you can uh, pick up a copy of that on this episode's page it's
2: free for well, both iphone and android
3: yeah Uh, Also announced, though not out yet, is uh, Star Wars Attack Squadrons. You can register for a beta of it at StarWarsAttackSquadrons.com. We'll have a link on this episode's page. Uh, This is something we actually have a little bit of an insider info on, though I'm not going to say much, but suffice it to say, I've seen some things. I think this is definitely one to watch for. Uh, It's it's a free-to-play online space combat game where you can customize vessels from the Star Wars universe and get into uh, 16-player dogfights. Yeah, it does sound um, pretty awesome.
1: Just like, especially when they show like the types of customization, customizations you can get. Like we're talking custom X-Wings, but also custom TIE Fighters, mm-hmm. which I don't know if that's like a uh, Imperial standard, but it's pretty <laughs> badass anyway. I'm sure this game is not canon, but it is, <laughs> it
3: is about Star Wars fans having fun together. It has, you know, team building elements to it and uh, you you know, unlock customizations. Uh, there's going to be ships well beyond probably what we're you know, what you're expecting oh, yeah, from standard yeah. military class vehicles, uh, because they promise new ships, items, and upgrades every month. Wow. Um, and, uh, you know, more, more unlockables as you do better. It has three PVP modes, free for all team dog fights and base defense. And it's basically like, if you, if you're familiar with games like a uh, world of tanks, world of planes that are free to play browser based mindless fun, but it's thoughtful mindless fun. This is the mindless fun for star Wars fans. This is like, i'm gonna go home i want to blow up some ships and have a good time you uh, know like, yeah. that's what it's
1: that's what it's all about and you can fly around you know your pink x-wing and <laughs> do your thing so uh take all the like the best parts about the x-wing and tie fighter game series but just put it in the browser and you're playing with friends then i'm already sold so
3: that's what it sounds like so yeah. uh definitely definitely one to watch out for and you can bet your ass that we're going to have more information about it as that becomes available And actually, Nerdy Show fans, hi, this is Cap from the Future, interjecting right here and now to tell you that we have exclusive Star Wars Attack Squadrons beta codes. That's right, Nerdy Show and Nerdy FM are getting you into the closed beta for Star Wars Attack Squadrons before anybody else. We have top secret beta keys good for multiple entries. And if this one doesn't work for you, why, there's plenty others playing on Nerdy FM now through January 28th. Your special beta key just for listening to this episode is Nerdy Show S-O-T-E Bavmorda. That's Nerdy Show S-O-T-E Bavmorda. You know, the evil queen hunting Alora Dannon who resides in the Castle Nakmar. We don't know how to spell it? Well, look it up. But most importantly, come and play Star Wars Attack Squadrons with us! My username is Wilro Hood. Haha. <laughs> as far as rumor mills, there is allegedly an open-world Star Wars game coming out from EA. Of course, Battlefront is the first thing that's on the docket, it's been announced. Uh, but EA Canada confirmed that they are working on an open-world title while hinting at uh, it being Star Wars recently. So there's, there's a lot of facts corroborating that EA Canada is working on an open-world Star Wars game, whatever that means. But it will not be a movie tie-in. Hmm. A- according to Chief Financial Officer Blake Jorgensen, the beauty of the Star Wars franchise is that it's so broad and so deep you don't have to do a movie game. You can do a game that's very focused on the world that's been created around Star Wars, We'll try to align those with the marketing power Disney has, so it'll be aligned with timings around the movies, but it won't necessarily be aligned with the movie.
1: Well, that's nice.
3: So they've made a conscious step to, like, we do not need to do a movie tie-in. Star Wars is so rich. Fuck it. We'll just have a good game. Beautiful. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Keep going. Yes, that's
2: all I can
1: say. Stop listening to this podcast and keep going.
3: As far as Star Wars odds and ends, it's been confirmed that the Lego movie coming out uh, February 7th will have some Star Wars characters in it. No one knows what, but there will be Star Wars characters in it. There's a rumor that uh, Disneyland's Star Wars expansion is actually on hold to wait for information about the new films. In early December, there was an anonymous source that said it's on hold because they didn't want to build attractions uh, or a land without including stuff from the new movies. So since they don't have that information, they won't be working on it. And it's speculated that if that's true... It might be timed, uh, the release of, or the opening of this Disney park or section of the park might be timed
1: around the release of the film. I actually have an update on that. Ah, cool. Sort of lead with, you know, with, with what it is, is that, uh, they have gotten the go ahead because they have gotten the information of what they need from episode seven. Sweet. Oh, so, really? yeah, so I'm going to read you, uh, this is from a website called micechat.com, which is all about, uh, Disney theme park rumors and stuff like that. Um, It's And supposedly they're pretty reliable. I I don't know personally, but that's what I hear. But anyway, this is what they have to say. And it sounds very realistic, sounds very reasonable. Um, It says that Team Disney Anaheim has gotten the go-ahead to begin the first largely cosmetic phase of transforming Disneyland's Tomorrowland into the all-new Star Wars land. Um, I'm going to read here. It says, the plan is to remodel uh, most of the main Tomorrowland buildings to fit in with the new Star Wars theme, which is supposed to loosely follow the concept of an intergalactic spaceport. Um, As part of this remodel, the Astro Orbiter uh is going to be retired and uh move somewhere else and apparently the Astro orbiter is going to be literally taken away from where it currently sits in disneyland and uh when they're ready to reopen it as as a star wars land the tomorrowland orbiter uh, the astral orbiter is going to have a star wars theme to it
2: interesting okay that's um, not the first time a, a, something like that has been moved in disneyland so that's mm-hmm. not surprising
1: um, also the people mover tracks are going to be gutted out. Apparently they're going to be taking away some people mover tracks. Good. Um, <laughs> this is Disney, Disneyland, not Disney world. No, I'm, I'm a Disney I'm Disneyland saying, boy. Okay.
2: That's where I grew up. So I'm, um, I know exactly. I know every square inch of fucking. Okay, well then,
1: then the the other, the other detail is that the Astro Orbiter is not only going to be just basically demolished, but when they rebuild it, it's going to not even be in the same location. It's going to be like maybe even higher up on some of the buildings towards the back of Tomorrowland. Ooh. Yeah, so uh, that's that sounds kind of cool. Um, so the People Mover thing is also going to be uh, uh, gutted and like remodeled. Uh, The other thing that it says here is is what's great is that the Imagineers have formulated a way to keep all of the rides still open while this extensive remodeling is happening. So you won't have to miss out on Buzz Lightyear's Astro Blasters or Star Tours.
2: I mean, that's going on right now. What was going on uh, with Fantasyland here where they were overhauling it, building a lot more stuff, but you could still go around.
1: Mm -hmm. It says, uh, while almost purely cosmetic at this point, the new design will set the stage for future rides and attractions in what's considered to be phase two and beyond. So. Uh, So to recap really quick, the idea is that they did get the go ahead. They did get information from J.J. Abrams about things that are going to be happening in Star Wars Episode 7. And because they have that information now, there's some stronger rumors about what the future rides are going to be. And they are as follows. Okay, man,
3: you're going deeper than I thought you were yeah, going to be able to. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um,
1: uh, the first one is a full-size Millennium Falcon walkthrough taking over where the People Mover track is currently. Yes. A la
3: Swiss Family Robinson House. <laughs> seems that way. It seems that way.
1: Man, I'm down. That a, a Tatooine Cantina, perhaps the Moss Isley Cantina, will be replacing the uh, Tomorrowland Terrace.
3: And there's our, there's blueprints for that that were leaked about, like, maybe being uh, something that's installed in Disneyland Paris, so that's very likely.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And a speeder bike ride through an Ewok village where Autopia uh, currently sits, and uh, fuck yeah, yeah, fuck you, Autopia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Autopia—that's the the submarine. No, uh, no,
2: no, no. Autopia is a really stupid car thing that should have been dead years ago
1: okay because i read two things one is that it's where autopia currently sits and if for some reason that's going to be a problem they're going to maybe shut down the submarine ride
2: is like right next to it yeah it's actually it's like you go around the submarine in autopia
1: okay so but so then what the other information that i have is that it may go over both of those so even if autopia (laughs) is gone and the submarine thing is still there it'll the, the the speeder bike track will literally go over all of it well, that's
2: um, what's going on with Autopia right now.
1: Yeah, but apparently they're going to get rid of it. They're going to get rid of Autopia. Good. And put in speeder bike through the indoor I'm glad forest. they're
2: doing that instead of doing a Cars tie-in.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> well,
3: because Cars Land is at, uh, is at Disney California Adventure.
2: Oh, good. Um, no one like You know what the one place that all Californians hate? Disney California, California, California Adventure. Adventure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even lying. We all are like, this is fucking stupid. Why did you do this? But anyway, I would probably Disney- feel the
3: same way about Florida Adventure, though. Honestly, I, Florida could probably use the promotion for, like, the parts of it that aren't Disney. I mean, the California
2: Adventure... <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm not going to go on my hate on the California Adventure. Go on.
1: Um, basically, it just wraps it up by saying that, uh, that those attractions, the ones that I just mentioned or whatever, those are still considered part of Phase 2, so that's, you know still down the line a little bit but that uh you know but those the reason why those were on delay for a little bit is because they were waiting for information about episode seven which they now got
3: and and that's a that's a disneyland tomorrowland so then how yeah. does that affect disney world and mgm we have no idea well
1: there, there were some rumors about that but they weren't strong enough that i felt that they needed reporting but the basic speculation is that uh, uh that that whole part of disney's hollywood studios it, they're going to keep star tours and redo all of that from like Hollywood Way all the way up to where like the Muppets may be um so that means maybe saying goodbye to the Indiana Jones stunt show except unlikely now yeah i have no idea so but that that was a much more of a you know Offshoot rumor that there wasn't any truth to it yet. And
2: did I hear right? Did you say Tomorrowland is actually going to be renamed Star Wars Land?
1: They didn't say if it's officially going to be renamed that, but they said basically Tomorrowland, cosmetically speaking, is going to be Star Wars Land. Like uh, the entrance, uh, the, the way they said it to be very specific, they said the entrance to Tomorrowland is going to be like a Star Wars spaceport.
2: I remember when they overhauled Tomorrowland. I think it was like early nineties, late yeah two thousands. Yeah, I fucking loved it because it had it went from this very shiny like like 60s 70s feel of what the future is to like it's now gritty this is awesome this is like the, to me it went from star trek to star wars and i'm like i love this tomorrowland even more well i
1: like the, the tomorrowland update they did at magic kingdom which still kind of had that sleek look to it a little more strange and out there but it was still sleek and you know uh and pretty so
2: yeah, the the astral
1: yeah thing. yeah. Like, I love that because it, With, like, like the to desert me, rocks and stuff like that. The yeah. the,
2: the astral orbital thing, like yeah. to me, it's like this looked like something straight out of Dark
1: Crystal. Yeah,
2: that got me really excited. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so
1: so but anyway, but they're they're not going to be touching Magic Kingdom for Star Wars stuff. That's going to be all, uh, you know. Yeah. So Hollywood studios, we're, we're the keepers of Tomorrowland now, and whatever, sure, why not?
3: <laughs> Doug, you have a an interesting theory um in yes. regard, this is regarding star wars continuity disney theme parks and a little bit of crossover here
1: yeah well um as you remember sometimes in the past uh on state of the empire matt spill and i both have talked about how we would love for captain eo to be included officially in the star wars canon i would absolutely adore that
2: i yeah. am such an eo fan I,
1: i'm so am i and makes w- as much sense as the holiday special no it, it, more <laughs> if you, if you want to hear what my, my my full opinions on I, it i, I do no, i'm ready for this I'll, I'll have to save a lot of the details for when matt's here so i can bounce the ideas off of him and vice versa but the the main thing that i that i took away from it because i actually went with uh with my girlfriend and we went to epcot recently something stuck out to me that i didn't think about before now we've joked before about captain eo he's got the powers that's the power of the force that's some kind of magic that's definitely the force but one thing that i did that i didn't think about before is that um Towards the end, you know, he goes to that planet and there's like the robots and it's almost like the board or something like that. It's you know, it's really strange. But then once he gives them the gift and the everything, you know, the magic flows through everything, in this case, we'll just say the force, you know, flows through everything and everything changes. You get these like columns, like these white columns and like, you know, beautiful fields and the flowing robes, all very colorful, very beautiful. And they step outside into the sunlight. And to my memory there's only one planet in the star Wars universe that fits that description. And it's Alderaan. And if you, (laughs) I'm telling you, if you go, if you go to captain EO and just think now, Doug said, it looks like Alderaan. And then you watch it happen. That shit is Alderaan. And maybe not like maybe prequel truth. I'm talking like, you know, maybe way, way back, like the beginning of the Republic, like maybe Alderaan used to be a shitty place, but Michael Jackson made it cool. But that shit looks just like Alderan. They get into the ship and they fly away. You, he flies over the horizon. I'm telling you, it's Alderan. I think we really did just look in Alderaan places
3: for
2: <laughs> some, ter- some terrible insights. In the, uh, in the Star Wars cool, Guide though. to the Planets, um, there was a side note on the Alderon entry that mm-hmm. after Coruscant completely paved its surface with Pharaoh's sight, Alderaan was offered the same thing. And they outwardly said no never mm-hmm. and it'd be interesting if the reason like part of the reasoning is we did that once it was a fucking mistake
1: and we thought nothing could save us but the force did <laughs> oh man <laughs> i mean come on and then and, and francis ford coppola would have something in the star wars universe like how awesome would that be if they made that official that very yeah just like okay you know we got you know lucas has his own thing of course he invented it you know and we got uh, uh irving kershner uh and we were maybe going to have ron howard at one point we we're maybe gonna ask people but you know what how about coppola like i i would settle for that that sounds great
3: yeah and, you know spielberg may have shadow directed scenes from episode
1: three yeah, two. yeah you know? uh-huh. that's been speculated so uh could happen i'm just saying man i think it needs to happen but you know who am i <laughs> <laughs> are you guys ready i don't think i'm ready Are you ready for Willow Watch? I don't know. I don't know if we can
2: ever truly be ready. Willow. Uh, He did it.
3: Here's the theme music. All right, so Willow Watch. (laughs) we are still we are still at um where were we doug we were disappearing uh rocked up yeah we're still at rocked up yeah the the, yeah disney officially has the rights to make more willow there's absolutely nothing down the pipe but um it could happen i mean it could happen and here's and one of the things that we do in willow watch in the times when we don't actually have any new news is we dig deeper into into willow and what we found in this process is that there's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> there's so much. No,
1: dude, it's, it's pretty crazy, honestly.
3: We, we know how much, of a, how much bigger a film Willow could have been. Willow could have been like Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings on acid. Yeah. If, if the technology and money was there to make it happen. And further proof of that we have to present today, thanks to Nerdy Show listener Mike Swabby, who sent this my way, Mobius famous 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 uh science fiction and fantasy illustrator who's been like a, a a production force behind many many films that you know and love uh including like like dune and, and blade runner have all had some direct influence for mobius he did work for willow uh and i think it was most most of it really was discarded because uh, this is like
1: concept art right? yeah, yeah
3: concept art it was very radical concept art uh some of it actually did translate but not not much of it We'll link to where you can check out all of this, but uh, just as a as a taste, a, a lot of this comes from a. Um a Mobius retrospective book. I don't know which one. This is all based on the, this blog I found, a Tell Forward blog, uh, who who observed that there's um, it, Mobius is actually uh, very in line with George Lucas's influences.
1: Like he's Flash he, Gordony, you know, kind of.
3: Uh, well, I, I I think it's more more of his other influences, like Akira Kurosawa and his his no influenced uh, samurai films. Yeah, uh, this guy points out that there's there's a design for Sorsha where she's wearing a, a, ja, a Japanese no theater theater mask
1: yeah that's right yeah uh the
3: two two separate designs like basically sorsha's a like katana wielding like uh sexy
1: warrior woman with a mask on
3: yeah more Um,
1: princess mononoke than say uh can't remember the princess's name from flash Gordon, but you know what i'm saying (laughs) there's a difference there
3: uh these illustrations are dated 86 so that kind of gives you some idea of actually this was you know this was, was early into willow development but not too early kind of surprising how much of this didn't make it to the film one of the most shocking things there's an illustration uh labeled king kale yeah (laughs) and king kale is a massive uh king warrior purple skinned feline guy with a dragon tattooed on his head
1: yeah he looks like a badass yeah general kale in the film was a badass but this king kale is like some serious business Yeah, general kale was you know like he was a gross-faced medieval warrior
3: King Kale. I don't know what the hell that means for the story. Who the hell is King Kale? What's ah, he yeah. king of? Uh, he is. I mean, he looks. He looks a little bit more regal. He's like a terrifying, you know, monster type. But all I mean, like, he's just. He's just cool. He's a cool looking creature. There's a picture of a sea beast that is not just a fish monster. It's a straight up leviathan. Yeah. Oh,
2: uh, nice.
3: And there's like a whole little rowing ship full of people confronting it with a wizard at the front, like flinging a sword around. It, lo- it looks great. Like everything about it. Um, there's an, a grotesque, obese creature on a throne of skulls. Um, there's some kind of snake-cat wizard. There's uh, two surprisingly accurate Nelwyn drawings uh, a, and a different approach to brownies, including kind of a sexy brownie.
2: Nice. Uh, there's uh, and there's <laughs>
0: two a,
3: words I like. <laughs> uh,
0: sexy brownie. <laughs> a, a,
3: a Mad Mardigan design that's v- both very close to what we saw in the film, but is also heavily Japanese-influenced. He has that kind of shaved uh, upper forehead Deal oh. and there's like one with him with like one of those the the hel- those like hats the pointy hats yeah and he's but like he's got the braids that they kept yeah yeah and in some of the same like outfit style so that was the one thing it carried over but it's interesting how much how much Japanese there like elements there are in this and then other weird stuff it's super weird it's super cool and that along with everything else we've read and seen just points to the fact that there is so much material behind the scenes that went into the development of Willow fleshing out the world <laughs> just. The possibilities are limitless with what you can do yeah. with this. Uh, Doug and I were talking before the show of like, well, uh, we both want to see a Willow sequel, but it seems somewhat unlikely that they would say, you know what's a good idea? A sequel to Willow. Like, that sounds highly marketable. And at right. that point,
2: it's like, I would actually be nervous about that.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. To well,
2: be absolutely, like, it's something that's like, what like, are you going to do with it? You yeah. Know, yeah. But what we,
3: what we were talking about is that there's a very, there's a better likelihood that they could say this is, well... You know, it doesn't make sense for us to market Willow 2. That's going to maybe, you know, scare people away. That said, we could market a new Lucas-inspired fantasy film that just happens to be in the world of Willow mm-hmm. and actually has the scope that Willow could have
2: had. Yeah.
3: And it's a totally new story.
2: That I would freaking love.
3: Yeah. And that actually seems- Or a Mad Morgan prequel. I'm all about that, you <laughs> yes. know, so, Yeah if if you can find
2: an actor
1: with if enough charm if and a, charisma if there's a
2: spin-off movie i want
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i do you know take the boba fett movie take the han solo movie i don't want any of that crap i want mad martigan how do you get it, in the cage it's it's a film about han solo
3: crash landing uh in on the planet where willow takes place and he gets trained uh by an old mad martigan to fight i'm down yeah I'm down. Sounds I'm a lot there. like Planet
1: Hulk, which you know that could be pretty cool.
2: I'm also down. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Kathleen um, right Kennedy, <laughs> Kennedy.
1: You're welcome.
2: Yeah. <laughs> this is gold.
3: <laughs> uh, so, that, so that we know is, you're
2: still
0: listening. <laughs>
3: yeah, that is that is all we have for Willow Watch. Um, but uh, as always, we hope to have more. Mike, thank you so much for putting us on to this incredible information. And if you if you guys find anything about uh, more about willow more secret willow history or fan fiction yeah or fan fiction you know where to send it so that brings us to the end of this state of the empire episode you know speaking of fan fiction doug we still have yet to receive any fan fiction from our from our fans about uh any star wars willow crossover yeah Uh, erotic or otherwise
1: even just willow fan fiction i think would be would be wonderful
3: yeah uh, like we we need you guys to be our eyes and ears out there on the internet like whether you write it or whether you find it uh we want to we want to feature that in some state of the empire so uh don't delay the hunt is on you got to be like one of those uh Rat dogs. What are they called? I don't remember. Devil they just call them. They just call De- them the dogs. Like stick the dogs
1: on them. Like
3: they're devil dogs, aren't they? Though yeah, there's a name. There's a name for them.
2: Not really. Devil dog is a, is a snack food. Yeah, yeah.
3: Wait, no. I don't. I, <laughs> th- there's there's a name. I know it quite there well. There is a I've, Willow I've, Wiki. I've said it in in other episodes. Uh, there it, how, there's a Willow Wiki. Yes. H- how how detailed is this Willow Wiki?
1: Uh, I I just delved into it a little bit just to see what they said about the main characters, and it seemed pretty you know pretty in depth. Is material from the Willow Sourcebook in there? I didn't go that far. So okay. there may be, I don't know. Intriguing.
3: So before we go, we got one more piece of news. This is, uh, this is, it's old news, but we haven't talked about it on State of the Empire, and it's kind of a big deal. In early December, Disney Studios and Paramount Pictures reached a distribution and marketing agreement for the Indiana Jones franchise.
1: Boom! So
3: before, you know, like when the, when the deal happened with uh, with Disney and Lucasfilm, it was found out that, uh, that Paramount did still had some rights, and that's why we were wondering where was Willow, because Willow wasn't, you know Right. You know, who knows? Mm-hmm. So we found out that Willow was in fact with Disney. And now Indiana Jones is. Disney gained a distribution and marketing rights to future films in addition to retaining ownership rights, uh, it secured when it acquired Lucasfilm. Paramount will continue to be responsible for distribution of the first four films in the franchise and will receive a financial participation on any future films that are produced and released. However, a fifth Indiana Jones film is not known to be in the works, except for all that weird stuff that was going on with Harrison Ford's contract for the new Star Wars film.
1: So apparently he wants one. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of want one. I just I want it to be good. That's yeah, all, so. <laughs>
3: that's right. I like one that's set exactly in the time period of uh, Crystal Skull, thereby overriding Crystal
2: Skull. <laughs> <laughs> Knocking that to a uh, secondary level tier canon.
3: Yep, exactly. <laughs> Anyway, uh, thank you so much for listening. Taking us out, we have a song to commemorate the acquisition of Indiana Jones.
2: Yep, this is by our good pals over at Sci Fried uh, in the tune of Calling Dr. Love. This is Calling Dr. Jones.
3: Thanks so much for listening. Bye, I'm Cap. Bye, I'm Hex. Bye, I'm Doug. And now, in closing, a Star Wars joke from oh, that's Doug. that's
1: right, that's right. Yeah, okay. Why does Princess Leia keep her hair tied up in buns?
2: I don't know, Doug. Why does Princess Leia keep her hair tied up in buns?
1: So it doesn't hang so low. Oh, <laughs> damn. I didn't say it was a good joke.
2: <laughs> you know how that makes me feel? Willow.
1: <laughs> so it doesn't hang willow. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'll give you another one. <laughs> Thank you. Did you know that uh, uh, Uncle Owen bought life insurance? I did not know that Uncle Owen bought life insurance. Well, it really wasn't much. It was just a bare bones policy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I like that so much one. for listening. I like that hey. one.
3: <laughs> hey, you! Thanks for listening to Nerdy Show. We mean that. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend, rating and reviewing us on iTunes, shopping at nerdyshow.com store, or directly donating to the network. Any size contribution gets you exclusive Nerdy Show audio and images and lets you participate in our monthly support drives. Just go to nerdyshow.com support to chip in. To find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com sponsorships. For more episodes of Nerdy Show, as well as other fine programs, community forums, videos, articles, and more, head over to nerdyshow.com. You can subscribe to all Nerdy Show Network podcasts via the iTunes Store. And for the latest news, follow us on all your favorite social networks.
2: Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies
0: will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe.